Welcome to Jazz Avec Moi, the podcast where we will talk about everything from life, career, and entrepreneurship from a TCK perspective. My name is Michaela Mutoni, and I will be your host. On this episode, I speak with Fabiola Mizero, and we had so much fun that we went over time. So I've split the episode in two parts. For today, we will talk about Fabiola's background and how a spark that was ignited once she started volunteering in Montreal led her to being very active and creating organizations. So thank you so much for being here with me today or tonight, Fabiola. I'm really excited to have this chat with you. Thank you so much for welcoming me and also creating this space tonight. I'm also very happy to be here. So for the people who might not know you, I thought that maybe we could start by introducing yourself and sort of telling me a little bit of who you are. And then, of course, as we go through the conversation, we will delve a little bit deeper. Okay. So I'll do like kind of a general introduction. It's always hard because exactly. you don't want to get, get too, too much specific, but I'll try to, as much as I can to really like be general. So my name is Fabiola. I'm 26 years old. I live in Montreal. And I actually grew up between Kenya, Belgium, and Canada, but I'm originally from Rwanda. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I've actually lived between like three continents. Um, I currently work as a consultant uh, for nonprofit in um, organizational development. Um, so everything that helps an organization to be strengthened through like structural policy and yeah, all of that kind of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Behind the, the behind doors, right? But actually. I'm also, like, apart from work, I'm also, like, very engaged, or I've been a, a, pretty engaged. I feel like I started being engaged when I arrived in Montreal, um, and I was at University of Montreal, and I realized how few places uh, were open to uh, Black people and, and Af African people, so mm -hmm. I just decided to create, like, different little organizations, little student organizations, mm -hmm. um, And then, from, and then from there, gained a lot of experience around uh, fundraising because all of the organizations that I co-founded were, so we had to actually look for our own money uh, for, look for the, and finance like the program and the services. So from there, I kind of like gained the expertise of a fundraiser-ish. Mm -hmm. uh, started like working for a different organization and wearing different hats in fundraising for different local and also national uh, Canadian organizations. And I was still continuing doing my own activities around fundraising, like hosting uh, brand fundraising for Syrian mm -hmm. refugee, for uh, cancer research, uh, for um, uh, the last one that I did was for an orphanage in Haiti after um, the Ouragan. Uh, mm -hmm. Hurricane, yeah? Hurricane, yeah, hurricane. <laughs> so I've been also kind of like an activist, I would mm -hmm. say, even if this word means a lot of things. What I do consider myself as an activist, even though I'm not engaged on a day-to-day -day activism world of Montreal, but I do, I know that I've, I've participated in, in organizing a lot of different marches and uh, whether it's sort of like Black Lives Matters or even um, after some uh, terrorist attack that happened uh, in Ivory Coast, in Belgium, in Kenya, I actually organized uh, different vision, visions. To, yeah. Like create a, a place for people to actually gather yeah. and just talk and 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 connect and also just yeah just connect 
um, despite everything that was happening around the world. So yeah, and many other things. <laughs> so um, one of the things that I that really I would say correct um, that really like me characterize is yeah. trying to um, that defines uh, you. Sorry. That is, yeah, that defines me. It's really like trying to engage youth around me, and also mm-hmm. as a youth as well, like as a well, almost. <laughs> yeah. Youth. So I yeah, so I've, I've participated in different projects where I was either like by myself, like running initiative, or through other organization like Oxfam, some Quebec, which um, where I'm actually a youth advisor. Um, and also the city of Montreal, I'm a youth advisor there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, so that's more on my own time. It's not paid work. It's more like, yeah, when I have time and when there's a, a like, great project, I kind of like sit with like either local politician and mm-hmm. try to figure out like how could we influence the like policy making in Montreal, but also in Canada. Mm-hmm. And Yes, I'm going to stop there. <laughs> no, you know, I'm actually really glad that you like gave me the breath because that is why I was like, I thought that you would be a perfect candidate to interview because I know that you're so involved in the community and I'm always so curious as to how you find the time, how you prioritize, how how you even got involved in the first place, you know. So I guess one of my first questions would be, what motivates you, you know, like what makes you get up in the morning and you're like, I am going to go do all these things? I feel like it's a very interesting question because I don't think I've always been a very motivated and engaged person. Okay. <laughs> and it came with like, I remember arriving in Montreal and not necessarily knowing what I wanted to do and kind of feeling really lost, but I've always been someone who had like a lot of passion and I feel like through my high school years, it was more expressed through, like, I was the kind of person who would always make jokes in class, be very loud, but also connect with everyone in the school and would know everyone. And people would be like, wow, like, how do you know? Like, how are you able to connect with everyone? So I kind of always had that energy, but never really know how to use it and even knew if it was energy that could serve towards something. And it was until I actually got a chance through um, Africa Wali, which it's an organization that is based in Montreal. And um, so they asked me to come and take pictures of their event. So I also love taking pictures. So mm-hmm. I went, took pictures, and this was actually my first chance of, of using that energy towards something. Yeah. Uh, and from there, I just decided, and it was such a great moment for me because I was actually capable of doing something towards like a good cause because uh, they were raising money to build a school in Mali mm-hmm. so then I joined the, the, the project and decided to actually sit on the board and start started fundraising with them and then from there I would say that that door from that moment when that door opened mm-hmm. I feel like there's a hundred of different doors that open right after so it was really more like I saw I, I did I knew that I had the energy but I didn't really know how to where to put it mm-hmm. and it's having someone to actually like reach out to me and say like, Hey, you're a good photographer. Would you like to come and cover an event? And mm-hmm. from, from that little invitation, so many things like happened after that. And, um, and I feel like that event really just made me realize that I was good at something. Yeah. Um, and I could also like use my energy towards like a project or towards helping people. And I've always had that like, in like that instant of wanting to help or helping when I could of reaching out or connecting with people when I was younger but again I just didn't know how to use it so what motivates me it's like now that I know how I can use this energy 
yeah. do more, create more, participate more. And I also believe that we all pass through like spaces and we all meet people and we all have to like, we all have something to bring, whether yeah. it's through spaces where that, that we go through or whether it's through the people that we meet, we all have something to gain from one another, mm. from the places, but also from the people, right? Yeah, that's one of the things that I've learned towards like that journey <laughs> after discovering that I could do something with, you know, what I had with the energy that I had and it's yeah. motivating me today. That's interesting, though, because that implies a certain level of self-awareness, right? That you did something and you were like, wait, there is something here. There is yeah. something that sparks my interest and that I'm good at. And where can I then go look for other opportunities such as this, right? So I guess self-awareness and, and curiosity. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. After that, I was thinking, what are the other things that I'm good at that I don't even know, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's true. And so Africa only was that uh, when you were still in college and you had just arrived in Montreal? Yeah, I had literally arrived to Montreal and my roommate, my roommate was actually volunteering there and uh, she had also just arrived and wanted to do something like, so we were studying, but also working. Mm -hmm. We felt like we wanted to do something else (laughs) uh, than just studying. So that was like my first, let's say, engagement um outside of like the academic sphere which mm-hmm. is interesting because that was the reason why i actually came so a lot of people were like but why are you doing this you know you're just supposed to study you know <laughs> That's, like, just running everywhere doing like a million like fundraising events and like throwing like different you know initiative and blah, 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 blah. so yeah but that was actually the first and it's maybe it's because i met people that that had like I met through Africa really people that also had the same energy as me. And sometimes I feel like you have to have access to certain spaces to find people like you who yeah. actually carry the same drive, the same energy, the same desire to, to invest in the world and to, to make it like, yeah, to make their spaces a better place. Yeah, I truly believe in that. Like when you find people who have the same energy or who have the same vision in life, they can, like together you can catapult each other you know like mm-hmm. go even much further than what you thought you could do on your own mm-hmm. which is so powerful and, and so inspiring right and I think when you were in college that's also when you started the African Student Union or African organization yeah yeah so I was mentioning when so when I was presenting myself that the mm-hmm. first thing that I realized uh when I actually uh started uh, in Montréal is that all of the places where you could get involved were predominantly white spaces and they were extremely elitist and you mm-hmm. could not get into it unless acted like a white person <laughs> yeah and I felt like I was tired of like acting like a white or trying to like I was tired of embodying whiteness because yeah. I had gone through five years of high school where I had to do that mm-hmm. and the university for me was actually the moment where I felt or where I wanted to be able to be surrounded by people from different perspective and from different walks of life mm-hmm. and also be surrounded by blackness too right mm-hmm. um, so it, it, it was with that desire that the African Student Union was created but also because um, a year before some student from HSC decided to actually paint themselves and paint their face in black so black actually do the black black face mm-hmm. yeah and there was no organization in UDM that was capable of defending black students no. At that time, we had to actually call McGill. I think it was the McGill Black Student Association that came. <laughs> and 
you know, <laughs> yeah, BSN advocacy work for us. So then I feel like at that point we were like, okay, we actually need to organize yeah. ourselves. So yeah, that's how the initiative started by the desire of like wanting a safe space for like black and African people, yeah. but also wanting to have opportunities and, you know, access to, because being engaged in a student institution is great for your uh, resume, right? But yeah. if you don't have access to that, then it's difficult, right? So then we have sometimes to create our own organization so we can have actually access to the same chances that other people have access to. And that's such a beautiful project. Like, I really, like, I guess, bravo, chapeau, uh, <laughs> for having done that because I know that I was part of, <laughs> ma- of mass at McGill, right, the African Student yes. Association for three also years. very great decision. Yeah, and, and that really made a lot of uh, my college experience, right? It was sort of my home, my way from home, because that's where mm-hmm. the Africans were and the, and the black people. And you're like, oh, we can talk the same language and yes. it's a space. <laughs> you know, it's a safe space. I don't have to, when I'm telling you something, you will understand what I mean. Exactly. You know, you're not going to start questioning, oh, but is it this though? Or is it that? You know, yeah, so like everything that you are, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it goes back to the whole point of we don't understand the weight, I guess, that it takes to be in these sort of schools or, or institutions because we come because they're great schools and they have great reputation and they're going to help us have better lives, you know. But everything yeah. has its cost. Like on top of studying and, and trying to do well and, and trying to get a job, you're also trying to adapt to a new environment that you don't know and figure out the norms of a society that are often implicit, you know, and without mm-hmm. having someone yeah. to brainstorm and sort of bounce off each other and share mistakes and learnings, there is, I mean, it, life is a bit more difficult, you know. It is. And especially because we actually get into into those spaces at such a young age, even though, like, yes, we're 18, 19, 20, but it's still such a fragile age of time to actually be in a space where you don't find anyone that looks like you or you're always questioned, you know, and often you're, you're more in a survival mode and you don't have any repair. You have to build those repair around you. Right. But yeah. it's so much. And it's and it's. And I know that it breaks people too sometimes. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, 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 like sometimes I remember starting the year uh, with so many African and then second year, then you just realize that it's not so much the one that were uh, the less involved. It's just the, the one who are not capable of adapting, you know, that, that we're not in a classroom anymore. And you know that they were not capable of adapting because it's tough to adapt. You know, it, mm-hmm. it requires you to either let go of a part of you. Yeah. Because you know that there won't be any, like, compromis, right? Yeah. You either let go or you let yourself go, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. And especially when you don't have your family around you or your friends, you know, like you moved here from Belgium, I moved here from Senegal, and so, granted, there are always family and family friends, quote-unquote. Okay, that sounded mean. There are always family and family friends. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not... Um, how do I say this? I was going to say they're not your people, but it's not the same. You know, like you're trying to figure it out and you don't have the safe space that you normally have. So yeah. it's a question of trying to create that safe space and those, yeah, creating a new safe space and trying to find the people who will help you navigate it. But then it's hard to help each other navigate it when we're, we both don't know what's going on. Yeah. Yourself. 
than around us. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know. Um, it really changed. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so, then you, so you create the student, you co-found the African uh, Association, and then you get involved with Africa Ali, and so you're doing all this fundraising, you graduate college. What did you study, and how did you get the job that you currently have? So I did polyscience, mm-hmm. but I have to admit that it's definitely not my grades or my, like, what I studied in that allowed me to have the job that I have. Okay. It's really more through creating spaces and gaining the skills that were looked for in the dans le marché du travail. Because, yeah, polyscience, it's, that's, that's a complex thing with polyscience that you do learn so much. Yeah. There's no skills that you can take apart from the, like, gaining a strong analytic uh, perspective and, like, being able to write very great papers not enough to be a consultant for example Mm -hmm. and it's funny because it's really through the different student association that I co-founded that I was able to get the skills that allowed me to have the job that I have right now I didn't get it right away it took me like Mm -hmm. different other jobs before that to actually be considered at that position yeah Um, but the only fact that I was actually able to get a, a job was through, like, yes, co-founding the African uh, Student Association, but also I co-founded this organization called Committee of Foreign Affairs, okay. uh, which was a platform that was actually helping students, and especially minorities, to have access through the professional words by meeting professionals that would come to university, diplomats, and, like, just, like, network. Uh, oh, wow. And- that was one of a great project that I participated in and co-founded and allowed me to meet a lot of different people, like from a lot of professional manager team, fundraise, because back then, it's funny enough, like today, all of these organizations do have like a large amount of funding. But yeah. when I started them, I actually had to go and be creative and find different ways of financing the, the programs. Mm-hmm. And the last one that I co-founded was I coached a team to actually participate to uh, the African Union simulation that happens in Washington, D.C. University. Mm-hmm. So when I did that, I got to like learn a lot of modern African and pressing social issues because you have to mm-hmm. go and debate and negotiate and write resolution and stuff like that. So it also allowed me to have more skills that I, I don't think I would have had those skills Actually, no, I wouldn't have had those skills <laughs> in my degree. And I, I saw that after, like, when most of my friends after graduating had so much difficulties finding jobs, right? Because yeah. it, you, you don't have the skills. Well, you look at the job description and you're like, where am I fitting in this, right? Um, yeah. So from there, I, I started working with an organization as a fundraising person. Then uh, it was a little small local organization. And then from there, I moved to a national organization. As a friend, and I feel like one of the things that was very important in that transition is like finding mentors and mm-hmm. people that like recognized that I definitely didn't have all the skills, yeah, but yeah, saw that I had like the energy and I had the passion and I was really dedicated and actually took the time to train me and uh, compensate uh, so I can actually like learn what I didn't know it but also reinforce what I did know already. And that led me to actually the job that I have today. It's they came to look for me, which oh, wow. doesn't happen often. You know? Yeah, it's the biggest compliment. 
Yeah, like I, I was just like I had the biggest imposter syndrome for like a year yeah, when sure. I got into that position because I was like, why am I here? Maybe they think that I'm another fabula. They're like, maybe there's some <laughs> they're looking for that has the same name. I don't know. Yeah. Where like, what am I doing here? And they have heard that I was a super great fundraiser, that I, ha- I had very strong networking like abilities, that I was also very analytic and different things like that. And mm-hmm. they actually asked my previous boss, who was actually mm-hmm. resigning from her position, if they could, now that she was resigning, if I would accept to work for, for, for them. <laughs> and my boss called me and she was like, well, never guess what you have. Like, you, this is crazy. There is, so COCO, so that's the acronym, but it's called the Center for Community Organization is calling and wants to hire you. This is completely crazy. And they've been looking for a consultant for the last three months and haven't found anyone. So they're ready to interview you right away. And they'll let you know. And then you'll see it. But I'm, she was pretty sure that I was going to get it. I was pretty sure I was not going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> and then in, I think, three days or four days, I actually got the job. <laughs> oh, wow. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. And okay. it was, I'll just say that, of course, I still had a lot of different skills to learn too. But, yeah. and. I said it from the get-go and they were like, it's fine. What you don't know, we're, we're willing to teach you. But what you already have, it's so good. And I was like, again, like, you know how people sometimes are ready. Like, there's something about, like, this world that works for you when you're actually, when you're also working towards something that you really want. I feel like yeah. there is something in the universe that, like, really also resonates, you know, uh, yeah. with your desire and what you're aspiring for. So, yeah. Yeah, it's like that quote of like, uh, the universe conspires to meet you where you are or something like that. Yeah. 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 You said so many good things. Okay. Uh, one thing that I'm really happy that you said is that the fact that you mentioned that when you're doing, creating this organization and doing the fundraising, organizing events, you gained a lot of skills that you mm-hmm. might not necessarily have gained had you just gone to school and read your articles and done mm-hmm. your papers and graduated just like that, you know. And it's so funny because we're like, your grades were not like the 4.0. Mine, no, mine, not not at mine. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. But I think that definitely being active shows that you are curious, shows that you are dedicated, shows that you can do things. And, and it does give you skills. It makes you think about life. And I wish more people would get involved, you know, because... When I was involved in, in university, I felt that sometimes people would be like, why are you doing that? You're wasting your time, you know. But yes, course, yes. Oh, so much of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you're wasting your time. And then, first of all, I didn't feel like I was wasting my time because it's what I wanted to, to do. And like you said, it was a way of creating community and, and being there and, and being in a safe space and, and promoting that safe space. But... And I would have just done it even if it wouldn't have made my resume look great. But then it also made my resume look great. And so that's a plus. And I think that we should think about that more. And I hope that some of the people who listen will take note. And that's actually part of why I wanted to sort of do these mini interviews and create this whole podcast thing. Because like you said, for example, you studied political science, but then you did not necessarily go directly in, in foreign policy or any of the other roles that people think they will go into right away, you know, so I wanted to show that there are different ways of doing no, things. It's still not that easy to get even there. Like, actually, when you get into the program, sometimes, like, you don't know from when you start how <laughs> selective and um, how inaccessible those spaces are, and especially mm-hmm. people of color. It's even yeah. harder to have access to those jobs, and yeah. 
Bachelor, it's not enough. You'll have to do, let's say, maybe two or three internships that are not paid. So you have to be able to have a social economic background that allows you to work for free. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, my God. That is to everyone, right? Oh, that frustrates me so much because it's like you're not yeah. paying, but I still have to live, you know. So already you're taking out a big chunk of potential candidates, you know, and exactly might be the ones who actually understand the situation that you're trying to solve, but they just mm-hmm. cannot afford to be working and not getting paid, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you kind of end up with a very <laughs> homogeneous. Yeah. People applying like to the same internship because it must be the kind of person who have access to financial yeah. resources. And then, so those who don't have that access to that are, disqualified right away yeah. but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not good enough for the job right or for the internship so yeah um, I really feel, feel like there's something about like programs that are so program like polyscience are very great programs mm-hmm. but I feel like if you want to go there you actually have to make sure that you're getting involved because the degree and especially again for a person of color is not and, and for a black person mm-hmm. is not going to be enough it's never going to be enough and people will more recognize who you are and know who you are and will want to hire you if you have something that is unique, like you're capable of like showing that you have something that is unique, mm-hmm. which like unique, what I'm saying unique is like that you have like motivation, you have like, you know, you're, you're someone who works hard, who mm-hmm. has specific skills, but for you to have that, you have to be able to get engaged in something, right? Yeah, Totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's one thing. When I left school and, and my little sister started school, I was like, you have to do things, everything. <laughs> Go talk to people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because that's people the only... Participative and creative events, whatever. Yeah, but those are the <laughs> things that you don't know, right? You don't know until you come here and you're like, oh, so this is how it works, you know? And if you're lucky, yeah. you, you are interested in those type of things and you get engaged very quickly or maybe you have people already here who know people and understand and they can sort of connect you. But otherwise, you you will study and work hard and then after start struggling and not understand why and not start understanding that it's because anyways, there was a big hurdle that you were going to go through and then you just mm-hmm. were not prepared for it because you didn't know, you know. Yeah, and it's interesting because most of the people that like were telling me, why are you doing all of these like when I was actually studying, most of them all came to me after graduating and were like, oh, Fabula, like we kind of like now we understand why you did this because mm. we're not employable because we yeah. don't have anything to show apart like our grades and our bachelor. And we work so hard. And don't get me wrong, working for your bachelor degree is important. <laughs> it is, man. But I think what we don't say enough is that it's not all yeah, it's be, not an yeah. end in itself. Yeah. Yes. And it's not that that will get you an appointment yeah. anymore. Maybe 10 years ago, having a bachelor degree would actually qualify you right away to a job. But today, I don't know if if people are more looking for skills. Yeah. I feel like we have less time to train. Yeah. So you have to guarantee that you're not, you're an investment, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, it's like, worth it. Yeah. Yeah, you're worth it and your investment and you're kind of already someone who have worked who's autonomous, you know, who like different skills that you can only gain from having 
work through projects or yeah. you know volunteering or whatever you know mm-hmm. and those are not the skills that are taught in school and I feel like school and it's also an issue from our schools too why aren't they teaching us this, those skills you know I know <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's a whole other discussion because so, you know, I did. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is why we're here because I did business school, right, for my undergrad and for my master's. And in business school, they teach you that, you know, they teach you. We have recruiting events. We have career events where they teach you how they write, to write a CV, where they teach you how to write a cover letter, where they mm-hmm. teach you how to dress correctly for an interview, where they prep you and give you like uh, interview prep, fake prep, you know. Mm-hmm. And we used to go through this whole drill when I was at McGill and then after, again, when I was at NYU. And I remember when I was at McGill, we were always the kids who were dressed in suits, you know. And so <laughs> the rest of the of the school thought we were snobby, you know, because we were dressed in suits. <laughs> because let's say if I had like interview prep in at this hotel, the business school, and then I have some arts class, then I would cross campus to go to the arts class dressed yeah. in my suits. And they always thought like, oh, the this hotel's kids are snobby. Some of them were, but not all of us, you know. But anyways, but those are life skills. And then I would look at, for example, my other friends who were either in arts or sciences who were not receiving the type of training that I was receiving. And mm. I would say, but why? You know, like at the end That's of the funny. day, Yes, we're going in businesses, you know, like uh, corporate America or corporate Canada, whatever you want to call it. But every organization has the same structure, more or less, you know, like if you're going to a hospital or you're going to an NGO or you're going to, I don't know, wherever you might go, that's not a business, quote unquote, they're still going to have HR. You're still going to have to interview. You're still going to have to apply to a job. You're still going to apply. You're still going to have to network. So these are life skills, you know, that we should yeah. be taught. <laughs> we should be taught, definitely, yes. But definitely. then you just kind of are left on your own and you have to figure it out, you know, go online or something and or talk to someone if you're lucky. And I feel like most of the time people actually realize that once they've graduated already. <laughs> once it's time, exactly, once it's time. Now yeah. that you need a job you realize that, okay, there's all these things that you should have done or that you should know how to do, but you should have been preparing for that before you graduated, right? But Um, you didn't mm -hmm. know or you underestimated how much time it takes and how it's actual skills that you need to have. It's true, yeah. And for me, it's like, yes, academia is preparing us and setting ourselves, setting our minds and our into understanding more theoretical, you know, approaches and methodology but it's also maybe setting us up to failure when yeah. it's not preparing us enough for the working like uh space like the working um mm-hmm. what exactly yeah i agree with you yeah. and then something else that you mentioned that i think is also very important is finding mentors so are these mentors mentors that you found in your workplace where you were at the time or are these external mentors that you just found, I guess, through the city? Who are they and how did you choose them? So one of my mentor and favorite person is Rachel Zellers, who's a teacher at McGill and also was my previous boss at, when I work at Girls Action Foundation. Mm-hmm. And I did not necessarily ask her to be my mentor. I feel like it, things just happened very naturally. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. I realized that because we would work a lot on different cases and we would travel together, we kind of actually build up this very this relationship where she was capable of giving me straight feedback that was actually very useful for me to integrate into my work. Yeah. And also because she is such a versatile person and have has a, an academic background, but also was working as a, an executive director in an organization, she had skills that are very like transvel- transversal and different yeah. like in different contexts mm-hmm. um and i was also looking for that i was looking for someone who had skills that were um different and that were different depending on the context right mm-hmm. um so she also played a very important part of um she like would send me books to read to actually strengthen some of my academic like knowledge mm-hmm. but would show me how to write a great grant, review all of my papers before we would send it, all the grants that I was sending out before, just to make sure that everything was okay, would mm-hmm. come with two funders just to make sure that like, you know, I was feeling comfortable. Like, so th- there was a big relationship of trust mm-hmm. that was yes, created throughout the workspace, but also continue afterward until today. She's still a person that I call that I actually is one of my reference. <laughs> yeah that I meet with uh, for coffee or for wine sometimes, <laughs> depending yeah. on the coffee again. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it happened naturally for most of the people that I've had as mentors. My other mentor is one of my great best friends, Lionel, who mm-hmm. works as a policy advisor at the Office of uh, Tourism and Official Language and Francophonie mm-hmm. of Canada. And we started, as, we actually, like, when I created the first African delegation to participate at the African Union simulation in DC, he was part of the team. <laughs> so okay. I kind of coached him. So it's, it's interesting how our relationship started as me coaching him. Yeah. And then quickly turned, um, he was actually finishing his uh, master in, at McGill uh, and started working right away as a, poli- as a um, policy advisor, mm-hmm. first uh, for the Quebec go- uh, government and then after for the Canadian government and has been coaching me as well and uh, making sure that like, professionally i'm always either aware of the opportunities that would actually benefit me yeah or, or academically because i'm still very interested in the academic world it would also send me like great articles to read and so yeah it, it kind of all of the i've never had necessarily to request a mentor i feel like it really happened naturally with people that i had same values with same mm-hmm. interests and were very polyvalent like me because I'm, I'm not a person that is Yes, I work as a consultant, but I've also done so many different things. And that's what makes me who I am, is that I'm very different. Like, I'm, yeah, I have to have that balance yeah. of doing maybe, yeah, consultancy work, but also doing, like, youth advocacy, engagement work, and also yeah. doing, you know, writing papers. So I feel like it's hard when you're someone who likes to do different things to find a specific mentor in one field because you feel like you're not complete, you know, yeah. there's something that is missing. So, um, yeah, but it, it happened naturally through connection and contact and through, yeah, being open um, to get out of my comfort zone, right? Because yeah. all, both I met them out of my comfort zone, like starting an initiative that was not even sure. I was like, what am I doing? I'm <laughs> coaching like people that are even older than me. <laughs> and when I actually worked for Girls Action, who's a national organization, it was yeah. my first time working for an organization that was serving the entire, like, Canada in, in its whole, right? Yeah. So that was also very scary. But 
I was very honest to and very vulnerable. Um, and I feel like that's what allowed me to also connect with them. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay, okay, okay. And then um, the last point, well, for now, that I wanted to mention or talk, <laughs> talk about <laughs> was the imposter syndrome, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My very best friend. <laughs> Oh, man, Uh, because, yes, well, you mentioned it explicitly when you were talking about when you started your current role at Coco and how you you were like, oh, my God, am I going to be able to do this? Do do I have the skills to do this? Even though technically they were the ones approaching you. And so they must have seen something in you, right, that you were not seeing. And then uh, again, a little bit when you said, when you were coaching these people and you had a great project going on, but at the same time, there was that little voice that was like, what am I doing? And yeah. <laughs> is this going to work or am I just going to fail completely? You know? So how do you deal with imposter syndrome when you feel like it, when you feel like, oh my God, what am I doing here? Um, I'm honestly still learning um, how to navigate imposter syndrome. Um, I think I also have to like, I don't know if, if it's the same for uh, black women in general, but I feel like it's, for me, it has been, not only is the syndrome there, but also having dyslexia and also being a black woman and mm-hmm. having to carry huge responsibilities had really, really, really shaken me. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I had like huge self-doubt and self-esteem moments in my work where I was like, am I in the good place am i in am i the right person for this although i could i knew deep inside that i could do it mm-hmm. there was something about like me about my identity first yeah. but also about, about me doubting myself and my identity for example when i'm talking about the fact that that yes being a black woman in position of like leadership can be extremely extremely doubtful like even people don't see it most of the time but like entering in a space where for example you have to give your perspective or direction to predominantly white space and mm-hmm. some predominantly white male space is like it took me a while to believe that like I could do that and really feel comfortable it took me a while also to because people would look at you sometimes and you could see that those the way that look is a very like doubtful look right oh man um, yeah yeah so you also have to find a way to like no matter what you actually at the end of the day have to find a way to find confidence, right? Yeah. But it can take, I'm saying at the end of the day, but honestly, it could, t- it could take a year. For me, it took me a year at my work as a consultant at Coco to feel comfortable in when I, when I was going, for example, in when I would have meeting with a space that was predominantly white to yeah. actually feel comfortable saying what I had to say, even if I knew that what I was saying was completely like, it was what we were supposed to do, right? Of I, course. I, I knew that like, I'm competent at my job and I had like double check with other consultants to make sure that what I was saying was right. And my other, my colleague will be like, this is completely not like what you're saying is right. It's more the confidence that like you need to say Mm -hmm. it in a way that like feels truthful to yourself. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it took me a while. It took me a lot of like failure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. To fail and to feel uncomfortable and to feel miserable. And then to start like, asking myself, can I just try once? Like, can I just give myself one trial? If I give myself one try and it doesn't work, then yes, I'm not at the right place. But if I don't try, then I'm just like, I'm just letting myself 
down, you know, I'm just letting yeah. my down and and people are not going to make it easier for a black woman at all. Like never. Oh, no, man. There, a, so then I have to learn that I have to learn how to be comfortable in those spaces because it's something that it's a life c'est comme un, un apprentissage pour le restant de la vie, right? It's yeah, not, it's a life it's, battle, man. Like, yes, we're, not, we're not changing color tomorrow, so... <laughs> no, we want to, but it's it's just, yeah. And people are not going to change their minds so fast and so no. easily. So you just have to kind no. of learn how to manage yeah. it, you know? Yeah, and journal work. Reading, watching videos, writing... Uh, being creative, finding time to be with myself, really grounding myself, traveling, just making things that were was that allowed me to be aligned back with myself mm-hmm. and just trusting myself. And from there, I was capable of going into spaces and like just, okay, here's what we need to do this. So just like saying it straight, whether people are looking at me with doubtful eyes, this is not my problem. You're the one who's paying us to do that work. For, so like you need to trust us but also i need to trust the most important thing is i need to trust myself i've been in situation where like for example i went to this meeting and this woman was like i came with so much confidence that the woman was like oh i actually she just and she was such she was so embedded in in doubts yeah throughout that at the end i I just said that if you don't trust me then i cannot do this work with you right and at the end of the day it's there it's that organization that is losing a consultant not yeah. me who's anything, right? Yeah, um, exactly. So it took a lot of work <laughs> just to say that, yeah. And for me, it took a lot of alone time to find myself back and find my strength back, find my confidence back. And yeah. today I really felt more comfortable and I can identify right away when I have the imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. syndrome. But I also know that it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm, I always remind myself that I have to try at least, right? Yeah. And then after that, if I've tried and I failed, then okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Man, I can relate to so many things. When you mentioned the look, oh, I know what yeah. you are talking about. I know it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that look. Oh, man. Yeah. You get in the room and everybody is surprised you're in the room. And it's like, exactly. why is somebody in the room? They're not going to make you feel comfortable at all. Like, they're not going to make it easier for you, right? That's what you understand, that it's your work. It's not theirs. Well, yeah. yes, it's also theirs, but it starts with yourself first, you know? Yeah, and then, yeah, and either you have the people who, like you said, are doubtful, and they're looking at you like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, or you have the other people who are a bit, like, almost amazed that you are there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and that you are smart, they can do this, which is also mm-hmm. uncomfortable because like, why would I yeah. not be capable to, you know, exactly if I'm here, it's for a reason, you know, because uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so hard. It's hard. And I can, yeah. And I can totally relate to the, to the grounding yourself and, and trusting yourself because at the end of the day, like you said, even though, trust me, I know it's not easy. If you know, what you're about and you know what your core values are, you know, nobody can shake Mm. that. And if you know why you're there and what you're supposed to do there, nobody Mm. can shake that too, you know. And like you said, we're also in service. Mm -hmm. And you can also say, I don't know with confidence, you know, (laughs) and it doesn't diminish or undermine your knowledge or who you are, right? Once you Uh, get to that 
Yeah, that's what you're saying. I don't know. It's hard. <laughs> well, it's hard when you think that you don't know a lot when you think yeah. that actually it's the case, right? But once you know that you know a lot, but there's just one thing that you don't know and it's completely okay, then, you know, I feel like it's also a matter of perspective, right? Yeah, it's true. Knowing is completely okay, but we make it not okay. Yeah. We think that it's going to, you know, just reveal that we're not good enough, that we're not capable, that we're not at the right place. But actually, on the contrary, it actually just, it doesn't necessarily diminish the knowledge that we have had no. and built and worked for, for all of those, those years, those past years, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. But it's true that we often take it as a sign of failure of, oh, I didn't prepare enough or I didn't study enough or, or I should have known this. But there is no way you can know everything, you know, yeah, and there is no way you can predict all the questions that are going to come your way either. So, and often I'm actually very grateful and honored to have people in the room who would say, I, would, I don't know, because most of the time they're raising that question for like half of the room, you know, yeah, <laughs> no one would true. say it. And I know that I've been in a situation where someone would say, I don't know. And I was like, thank God that person asked that question because me neither. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I didn't want to be the first to say it. Yeah, for sure. And then you're like, well, but like you said, once we know that we don't know, then we can go look for the solution, you know, rather than turn in circle, faking or saying the wrong things for no reason, you know? Yeah. Or pretending, oh, yeah. Man. Oh, man. What did you think of the conversation that you just heard? Don't hesitate to leave us comments on the Facebook group or on the website jazavikmar.com. As the old adage goes, sharing is caring. So if you enjoyed it, please share it with your friends, like and subscribe. Until next time, keep striving, keep thriving and keep shining.